This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. The content found on TheBestDayEver.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gothier, and I am here for the January 2013 Best Day Ever exclusive interview with David Avocado Wolf. It's great to have you here, Dave, as always. Thank you, Lou. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We've got a lot of new members in the last couple of months and people are really excited. And one of the, you know, one of the treats for everyone, including myself, is to have you here every month and answer people's personal questions, which gives it a, you know, just a great practical and personal touch coming from you and sharing your expertise with all of us with the issues that we're dealing with. Right on. Thank you. All right. Well, we got some great questions, so we're going to jump right into them. The first one is related to ADHD. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I think that's right. Yeah. So it's this question begins, Dear Dave, thank you for saving my life. You gave me hope for nature's ability and hope for herb supplements and techniques to heal myself and give advice to other people. Can you give me some advice for aggression and patience? I've been using cannabis in the past. Now I look forward to trying something new to calm and relax. Greetings from Norway. Okay, this is a big issue, by the way. I mean, this is a really big problem is people cannot relax, and so they will reach for cannabis to try to, like, at the end of the day, to try to, like, calm, you know, calm things out throughout the day. And the problem with cannabis is then it builds up on you, and then eventually, if you keep abusing it, then it can start to become an irritant, and it's a liver irritant, and it starts making you angry. So it has its role in a small dosage. Um, I definitely don't think you should be smoking it, but it, it's very abused. And um, so that's, and it's a liver, it's a liver toxin at that level of dosage where, you know, people are typically using it, you know, smoking it every night to go to sleep. And we've got to look at other things. One of this is we've got to be really careful of our sugar intake d- daily. Um, sugar is correlated to every single type of hyperactivity disorder, attention deficit disorder, every kind of bipolar disorder, mood swings, and any kind of neurological problem seems to be associated with sugar going all the way from like extremely refined carbohydrates, even right through to fruit. And some people can, can just cannot have high amounts of fruit because it throws their blood sugar too far sideways. Um, and then there's the appropriateness of fruit. For example, if you're in Wisconsin, you don't eat bananas in the winter. It's, it's inappropriate for that type of climatological zone. And so that's a consideration. You know, I believe in eating locally. I think it's a great concept, but it gets taken too far. It's really what we need to do is we need to be eating within our climactic region. That seems to be a more appropriate idea um, that that fits um, into our lifestyle. You know, if, for example, you live in New York City, you're not going to eat weeds in, in Central Park, you know, with all the, you know, right, basically radioactive fallout in that city. Um, so that, that's the number one. Number two is it's mineral deficiencies play a role in all this, especially magnesium deficiency. So to have enough magnesium in your diet, I like chlorella. I think chlorella is really good. Chocolate's a great source of magnesium. It's one of the best, but it's a stimulant. And people who are in that overstimulated mode already need to be real careful with chocolate and coffee and anything else um, that's a stimulant, whereas chlorella isn't a stimulant. It's just a food. It's a superfood. And it's calming because it's so rich in chlorophyll. 
and that's a calming agent. I mean, just green vegetable juice has a very calming effect. I really like cabbage lettuce juice, come, you know, come to think of it. Cabbage lettuce juice has a tremendous sedative effect. Um, why is that? Well, it has soporific compounds on it. This is in it. This has been known about lettuce forever. I mean, uh, lettuce is loaded with soporific compounds that basically can put you to sleep, that calm you down. Um, I had a friend who was a heroin addict years ago, and when he got off heroin, he found one of my books, got into raw foods. He found we found out we lived near each other, and then we used to always go to the health food store and ask the health food store to leave behind in the back in a trash bag. Um, any produce that they were just going to throw away because it didn't look good. Well, there was a lot of lettuces that ended up in that produce, and we would just take it back and just juice up 64 ounces of juice each, and it was usually lettuce cabbage juice, and what an amazing calming effect that had, and I think that really helped him in that part of his life coming off of that, that lifestyle he'd been on. Then there's the, you know, the dual directional herbs. I like Shazandra because it's a, it's a nervous system dual directional super herb and it affects your brain chemistry. And this has been shown in numerous human studies. Numerous human studies have shown this. And again, I want to hearken back to this thing that, um, came out in Time Magazine this week. I was in Time Magazine actually three times and, uh, I, they interviewed me about super fruits and one of the super fruits that was named was Shazandra and Sloan Kettering. Hospital was interviewed about Shazander Berry, and they're like, "Oh, we don't know about it. There's no human trials." It's like, where, where are these guys? Where have they been? Do they ever get on the internet? <laughs> it's like, what are you talking? What do you mean? There's no human trials? There's 40 years of human trials just in Russia, it, it, at least, and let alone China. I mean, China has thousands of years of human trials, but of clinical trials, it's over 40 years on humans. Korea, there's hundreds probably. Um, but I know in like Russia and China's hundreds of studies over 50 years, at least in China, human studies, well done studies. And one of the key discoveries in those studies is that Shizandra is a dual directional nervous system active super herb. So that means it actually can stimulate your nervous system. So you're awake, you're attentive, but you're not stimulated like chocolate or coffee or some, you know, you're not jacked up and it also can calm you down later. So if you, let's say you're at the end of your day, you need to calm down. Um, Shizandra can do that. Ginseng is also known to do that as long as it's aged ginseng, as long as it's old, as long as it's over eight years. I, I like ginseng roots that are over eight years old because then they can take on that dual directional nervous system activity. If they're young, then they're just going to jack you up. They're going to be a stimulant. They're not going to have that same activity. I think it's important to get the appropriate fatty acids. That's an important conversation in the, in the entire spectrum. Definitely focusing on saturated fats like coconut and coconut butter, coconut oil, all the way to the other extreme, which is the omega-3 fatty acids, in particular the algae oils, fish oils, krill oils, the, you know, those long-chain omega-3. And there's definitely something going on with neurological problems and neurological disorders and lack of omega-3 long-chain. Omega-3 medium chain, like ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, is great, and that's probably number two of the omega-3s. But docosahexanoic acid, which is DHA, is more important than ALA, and that's a long-chain marine oil that's in algae oil, krill oil, and, and fish oil. And that appears to be a really important oil for people who have problems neurologically. And if it's a real severe problem like bipolar disorder, then you need the EPA, which is the eicosapentaenoic acid, 
And it's those three, actually. It's the DHA, ALA, and EPA that comprise what we really need from the omega-3 group on that, on that side of the extreme. So that's another piece of the puzzle. And I'd really be careful with any kind of conventional processed food because of excitotoxins. For example, any kind of soy product contains excitotoxins. It's part, it's what MSG is. MSG is a byproduct of soy fermentation. So for example, um, Bragg's liquid aminos, um, tamari, soy sauces of all different types have natural MSG in them. It's, a, it's not that they add MSG, it's just naturally present there because of the fermentation of soy. And MSG is an excitotoxin, which means exactly what, how it states. It, it excites your, your nervous system, it excites your cells, but it's toxic and actually can, in high dosages, cause your cells to literally explode. So that's another one. And of course, you can't have any of the diet sodas, any of those really brain toxic formaldehyde forming um, types of substances. Those have all got to go out. And then I really recommend just to bring your whole system down, um, getting all the toxins out of your home, all the diff chemical products out of the house, get rid of all of it. Just I, That's one of the things that like really is toxic. It's just the amount of chemicals that's in somebody's cleaning cabinet and what that does to you, the ir irritation and the carcinogens that are present and all of that, and then grounding and earthing for ADD, ADHD. Grounding and earthing, just getting earthed, getting on the earth, laying on the earth, calming yourself down that way. And then maybe one final thing is actually take the time to meditate or try to meditate just to see if you can get yourself calm to a point where you can get control of your focus. I mean, meditation is about learning how to focus again. That's, I think, a key part and piece as well. And David, maybe now is a good opportunity to just talk about what goes into processed conventional foods. I just recently watched the documentary Hungry for Change, which you uh, were featured in. And I also did some research looking at the different ways that they try to hide these ingredients, specifically MSG, as you just mentioned, in into the conventional type of processed foods that are, quote, labeled organic. And there's a lot of really devious ways. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this interview, especially if people are new to, you know, thebestaver.com or new to, you know, healthy eating, healthy living, they're trying to do things that are really good for their health. And you walk down the aisle of the health food store and a lot of people look for alternative ways to snack. So like the chips and pretzels. And there's a lot of companies that label their pretzels or chips organic. But when you look at the fine print, they still contain canola oil, safflower or sunflower oil. They also contain these hidden types of ingredients like, say, onion powder or yeast extract. And these powders and extracts that they use, are they are legally allowed to put excess MSG in there and high concentrates of MSG, but they don't have to list it because it's just called an onion powder or, you know, uh, an extract. And there's a new one called rosemary extract, which is also another way to hide the MSG and flavor something as rosemary. Can you talk a little bit about, like, the oils and the hidden ingredients for people who are sort of new to this so that, you know, when they go down their health food aisle, they're not getting duped by the same type of advertising that went into, like, Fruit Loops and, and Flintstones, chewable vitamins and all that? Well, something that comes to mind immediately is contains whole grain. Um, what that is is really saying is it contains gluten and wheat, and wheat is a super on the rise allergy. I mean, it's it, it, it's affecting not just the people that have gluten intolerances. I mean, that, there's 50% of the people who are completely allergic to wheat actually don't really show really overt symptoms 
but it causes an internal inflammation and reaction step by step that builds up. So this whole thing about wheat is blowing up finally, thank God. And it's because the gliadins in wheat, which are opiates, um, are affecting people. Then people start to realize they're addicted to it. And there's also the gluten with the, the protein in wheat, especially when it's been cooked and it pops like popcorn, it becomes a very strong irritant. So this whole thing about wheat and gluten and contains whole grains, it's added to products. It needs to be something we need to have a very, very sharp eye for. There's uh, a lot of hidden ingredients that are coming in um, when we have, for example, canola oil, safflower oil, which show up a lot of whole foods when you're at the um, salad bar. A lot of those dressings there are all, it's all canola oil, it's all rancid. And those are, there's a lot of polyunsaturated oils in those, in those seeds, like rapeseed, canola oil, for example, or safflower oil. And what that means is that they go rancid. So it's a rancid oil. And then they're very loaded in phytoestrogens too. That's another thing. William Wong came out years ago with his whole story about flax being very phytoestrogenic. A lot of the flax that you eat just goes right through you because it hasn't been broken up. But flax oil is very phytoestrogenic and too phytoestrogenic. I mean, at this point, from my understanding, I, I won't, I don't do flax oil because it's too phytoestrogenic. Um, I'll do flax crackers because most of it, again, just goes right through you. But safflower oil is the same. Canola oil is the same. Even sunflower oil is the same. It's very phytoestrogenic. Now, people ask me, is it a bad type of estrogen? And the answer, that's a good question because there's phytoestrogens that are great for you. There's phytoestrogens that are neutral. There's phytoestrogens that are bad for you. There's phytoestrogens that are normally good for you, but if you have a certain type of cancer, like an estrogen receptor ne negative or an estrogen receptor positive type of breast cancer, they might be irritating or agonizing the estrogen receptor site and causing the estrogen or allowing that estrogen to actually make your breast cancer worse. So there's all kinds of, of variables in here, and I wouldn't throw in like a canola oil or safflower oil or sunflower oil into the diet because it's just too many unknowns. There's the phytoestrogens, there's too many unknowns at this point, and my guess is it's probably not going to pan out to be a good thing. You're better off with traditional stuff like olive oil. You're better off with hemp seed oil. You're better off coming back to you know, things that were you know are, don't have phytoestrogens that are just thousands of years of use, coconut oil, for example. So that's another issue. And then, of course, there's the chemicals and pesticides and the GMO nature. I mean, canola oil... Right there, rapeseed, huge amount of it, over 80% last time I looked, I think it's over 80%, might even be higher, is, is genetically modified. So imagine this whole thing of like, oh, it's not genetically modified, I bought organic. Well, you don't know because there's drift. There's genetic drift that occurs. We've seen the farmers who've been sued for the genetic drift of GMO rapeseed over onto their property, and that's showing up in the organic product even though it's not labeled that way because the farmer's certified organic is next to a, another dude who's using GMO. You see, you know, those, there's those problems. It just goes on like that. It was interesting. I was reading an article recently where pharmaceutical companies now are getting onto probiotics and genetically modified probiotics, and one of them was a genetically modified probiotic to neutralize gluten allergy, if you can believe it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> And, and it's going to be that kind of game. I mean, this is something I think about a lot hanging, hanging around with a breatharian is like, you know, food is, food is drugs. And 
you, it's kind of obvious when you've been a raw foodist for a long period of time. You know, you've basically been living on super herbs for a long time. Not, you know, not one in a billion of us is going to become a breatharian long term. So when, you're, when you start getting into the processed foods and that game and the conventional food industry, you're talking about serious drugs like refined sugar, like gluten, like, you know, unbelievably toxic chemicals. God knows what kind of pesticides, herbicides you know, genetically modified organisms, whatever, and then you're going to need even stronger drugs to balance that stuff out, including living organisms that can deal with the toxicity of, you know, that conventional food, like the gluten intolerances. So it's just, you know, I, I, I bet we're going to see even crazier stuff, much crazier coming down the pipeline um, in the future. One of the great lines I, I took away from that Hungry for Change documentary was, refined sugar is to sugar cane as cocaine is to the coca leaf. Except, except one's legal and the other isn't. Right, right. right? It's like whoa, and kid, and when one's being served to kids who, who are like newborn babies, basically, that's going on. Like literally, they're being fed cocaine from the time they're born, and and that's you know we're le- dealing with five generations of sugar addicts at this point, literally. And no wonder we have alcohol problems because alcohol is a sugar. No wonder we have people who have food disorders. You know, my God, all the refined sugar in their diet, the high fructose corn syrup, et cetera. And then the mood disorders. I want to bring this in again. This is super important to know that the fundamental thing behind these mood disorders, bipolar, schizophrenia, always underneath it is a sugar disorder, is a carbohydrate metabolism disorder. It's super interesting. And we are in a sugar-laden society, that's for sure. And we have more mental health issues than any other country in the world. And it actually, mental health in America are the number one debilitating condition in North America, affecting one out of every four people. They're unable to actually um, show up when they're unable to get the job done, when they're unable to actually participate in the community, society, whatever. They, they, you know, basically what's behind it is that they have a mental illness. And that's really interesting that, whoa, we're, that's a, that's actually coloring our whole society. I mean, if one in four people are mentally ill and are dysfunctional because they're mentally ill, that has a, a massive effect on the overall look and feel of our entire civilization. Yeah, so hopefully people listening to this interview can pick up some really practical tips on, you know, what they can do to add into their current diet to help, you know, bring homeostasis and balance back. This next question, Dave, is related to fluoride in green tea, uh, red, black, and white tea. And they're saying that they get it from spring water, but I don't know that, I'm not sure how they tie together fluoride in their water, but I'll just read the questions and maybe you have, have some insights. Hi, David. I have thyroid and parathyroid issues, and I've recently read about the negative effects of fluoride on the thyroid. I drink a lot of green tea, in parentheses, made with spring water, and I'm wondering if the amount of fluoride in green, red, black, and white tea is something I should be concerned with and stop drinking it. Thank you. Great question. The answer is I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a new thing. It's a new conversation that's going on. Fluorine, which is the the compound in question here, is, is the most reactive element in the periodic table of the elements. It's the most reactive halogen, and it's present, and it's actually needed for metabolism is actually a needed mineral even though it's a vaporous gas most of the time it's actually required for metabolism what i have to do is i have to dig into this and find out okay what is going on are they fluoridating so what they're doing is they take the green tea then they have a process by which they ferment it and dry it then ferment it again and dry it maybe rehydrate it ferment it and 
dry to make their unique things. For example, pu'er tea, oolong teas, whatever they're doing that's going to actually make their final product. Um, I am, of course, a big fan and always going towards the original material, which is just the green tea. Um, but even that, they say, has fluoride in it. So I'm not sure if it's coming from the water that they're using in rehydrating the material then drying it out again, fluoridated water, and that's leaving a fluoride residue behind, or if it's just natural in the green tea. Uh, it might be a combination of both. It probably is. So, again, if you're, the fluorine level in green tea might be good for you. What's being added by the way that they're using um, processed water or tap water that has fluorine in it or fluoride in it, that might be a whole other ballgame, and that might be actually leaving that residue in the, in the tea and might be other than excellent. Most of the fluoride, as far as I know, it, I, I think it's the sodium fluoride, comes from scrubbing aluminum smelting um, stacks. So it's a byproduct of the aluminum industry. It's other than excellent, to say the least. All right, so to be continued on that question. This program was brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com. Thanks for listening.